welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. It is day two of the 2019 Rooster Road Trip Late Season Long Tails Edition. We saw snow today, fellas, and 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 lady. <laughs> <laughs> right, a little bit of snow. A little bit, enough to make you go, hmm, nah. <laughs> oh, I, I live in the Southern Belt for a reason. <laughs> yeah, you don't, not a big fan of snow. So the voice you're hearing is uh, making her debut to On the Wing podcast, Laura MacGyver. MacGyver. <laughs> I know, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I bet you get that all the time, don't you? I do. You're I a big fan of Richard Dean Anderson, right? I am. Actually, I think like a MacGyver. So, <laughs> just spelled differently. Okay, Laura McIver, M-C capital I-V-E-R, right? <laughs> yes. And remind me, I know you were a field and stream hero of conservation. What year was that? 2013, yeah. And they don't do it anymore, so I feel really blessed I was actually in part were, of that category. Were you, you were like year three of that program? Something like that? I don't even remember. I just remember being totally blown away and just amazed at all of the notoriety that went with it. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to have you tell your story tonight. But before we get there, uh, we also have Logan Hinners back with us. Uh, Logan, you're on the podcast with Tom Dock in the Shed Hunting Podcast. That's correct. I think that's the only one you've been on so far, right? Yeah, outside of a rooster road trip occasionally. That's true. And and everybody that follows Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever online, particularly on Facebook, they might not know your name, but they know your, your work. You're you're the guy that captures virtually every photo along the rooster road trip. Jake Schiller, our videographer, adds in a few stills, but uh, yep. 95% of the, the photos are yours. Sure, yeah, a lot of them are. Um, I guess I, I kind of cut my teeth behind the camera, if you will. Um, I, I do carry a shotgun, so I've, I've worked that angle in, so I get to hunt a little bit as well. So, um, you know, it just depends on how I'm feeling for you know, photo content, um, what the day looks like and how we're doing as a group, but I'll occasionally grab the shotgun. So that's pretty cool. So we're going to talk with you a little bit about how, uh, the average bird hunter can up their photography game. And I also yes. want to know how you do sling that shotgun and sling the camera <laughs> together and then actually make more shots than I do. Well, it's uh, it's got me in a bind a couple times. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> yeah and, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> and uh, the third episode in a row. Third the, time's uh, the charm. Riding shotgun again for the Rooster Road Trip, Andrew Vavra. And we will uh, um, be answering Instagram questions again tonight. Absolutely. And uh, one of the questions actually is specific to Logan, and it's the question you just asked. I think, no kidding. Uh, I think people are, are uh, starting to catch catch on to the fact that not only is Logan taking photos, but he's also dropping birds. And uh, as, as camera equipment becomes uh, slightly more affordable, affordable mm-hmm. and people also have these phones in their pockets that are capable of taking great photos, everyone's trying to do it all. Do and it, so yeah. they're kind of looking at Logan like, well... Give me some advice. <laughs> <laughs> Practice. <laughs> so we'll answer that question and a few more. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly recap our uh, day two in Kansas. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night from Nebraska. 
you know, we have moved north, and we're going to continue to move north uh, the next couple of days. Well, sort of north and north and east um, as we proceed along the late season long tails rooster road trip. But let's start with you, Laura. You wrote a um, a, a blog which we posted today, mm-hmm. um, and the blog's title. Let me get the the title is "Reflections of a Quail Hunter," and it is your personal story for basically becoming uh, a bird hunter um, as an adult. Yes. So folks maybe haven't read your story. Maybe they have. Let's put it in your own words how you became a bird hunter. Well, you know, it's interesting because I lived in the outdoors growing up, literally. And you would think that at some point in time I would have bird hunted at some point, but I didn't. Um, It was other avenues of being in the outdoors, fishing, Mm -hmm. camping, hiking, backpacking. Did your family do any sort of hunting? My dad um, taught me actually how to start deer hunting when I was 12 years old Okay. Um, in Montana, as a matter of fact. And um, it was probably what steered me towards the outdoors and conservation in this, in the sense of thinking about what you're hunting, you you hunt what you eat, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of concepts. And um, he's, he is probably the most single biggest influence mm. besides James, who actually is the one who taught me how to bird hunt. Mm-hmm. So, James being your significant other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what about your mom? Did your mom uh, grow up in the outdoors as a <laughs> hunter or angler? I'd laugh because my mother... She's five foot tall, and she was not the outdoor person. Mm. She did not want to stay in a tent. We were in a trailer, (laughs) those types of things. She did not fish with us. She didn't grow up in the outdoors. Um, She was musically inclined and artistically inclined, but she was not the type of person that went outdoors. Okay. And I know, you know, from from reading your blog and just talking to you, you spent uh, you spent a lot of time moving around the country, mm-hmm. right? I believe you said you were you were born in Southern Illinois. I was. And you, you mentioned you lived in Montana. Um, if folks try to call you on your cell phone, they get an Alaska phone number. Yes, they do. Because you spent a lot of time living in Alaska. I did. I graduated from high school up there. and Where exactly in Alaska? North Pole High School. Baloney. <laughs> the, I'm not kidding. I know. I know you're not. <laughs> it's real. I went to, I went to um, high school with Mary Christmas Miller. She was the daughter of the family that owned the Santa Claus house. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, anyway. So are you good at making toys out of wood? And I'm not that artistically inclined. <laughs> You're not like a Santa's little helper? No, not really. <laughs> Christmas, is Christmas a big deal in the North Pole? Yeah. I, I would assume so, so yeah, right? Absolutely, and our family too. And yeah. uh, we celebrated, now that was one thing my mother did really well. She celebrated the holidays very well. Yeah. So when you're in the North Pole, right, it's like 24 hours of darkness. You better celebrate Christmas. That's true. Spike the eggnog. Hey, that works for me. (laughs) So you spent a lot of time in Alaska Mm -hmm. and and you did not really bird hunt in Alaska, Mm -hmm. right? That Mm -hmm. happened even later. Actually, I haven't even bird hunted in Alaska, believe it or not. My sister has, Hmm. Um, but um, it's just never come to the right time, the right place, the opportunities 
um, all those reasons why people don't bird hunt yeah. or even hunt at all. Um, but I've had the pleasure of bird hunting the surrounding states with Oklahoma, and um, I love it. And I Oklahoma mean, is where you live today, I and you've do. lived there for quite a while now. Since 2000, 2003. Okay. Yeah. So. And that's where you fell in love with quail. Not right away. Okay. <laughs> Actually, um, I was introduced to bird hunting and in both pheasant and in uh, quail, and then eventually turkey and dove hunting. Okay. Believe it or not, most people start with dove hunting, and I actually ended up doing that later. Hmm. But um, I loved it in the sense of being outdoors and knowing that I could take it home and I could eat it after I cook it mm-hmm. <laughs> type of thing. But... Um, it was just the whole circle, and I loved watching the dogs, but I didn't know that much about it. And James really is the one that taught me how to bird hunt. Hmm. He's um, very knowledgeable, and, and and he's a good teacher most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> My wife wouldn't say the same thing about me and pretty most much anything. Most of the time. <laughs> so, but, uh, and we get cross-hired, you know, a, a, crossed with each other every so often mm-hmm. i want to go that way he wants to go that way and it's like rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and you guys own is it three britneys mm-hmm. nowadays three yeah yeah legally that's all we're allowed to own in the city would you own more if it was, a, if mm-hmm. it was legal? i would i don't know if he yeah. would <laughs> let's put it that way yeah so well it, it, the blog was terrific and you've gotten a lot of feedback in you know, a matter of the eight hours that it's been online. Uh, anything that jumps out to you from people that have already hit you up through, I've seen a lot of reactions on Twitter in particular. I am just amazed. I didn't know I would have an impact on people when they read it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that's always surprising to me that evidently it struck at a few people's hearts because I did get a lot of response. In mm-hmm. fact, I was really surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> at how much response I got. And you never know when you write something, how's anybody else going to look at it? Mm-hmm. And um, I poured, I mean, I put my heart in it because that's, that was how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, there were definitely moments where if it weren't for James being encouraging in certain aspects of bird hunting, I probably would not have continued it because I did have bad experiences. Um, I can't tell you the the hilarious one that I think is the funniest that I didn't even put in the blog because it was too long was his family has a tradition of going pheasant hunting every year in um, in Kansas. And so he took me up there for the first time after like five years that we'd been going out right mm-hmm. so he drags me up there and I'm like I don't know about this it's all men mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and sure enough the first morning out they're all looking at me like he'd introduce me and they're like uh-huh sure you know and they're off doing their own thing all right fine whatever and I'm sure they thought oh lord she's going to be the one who wants to block she's the one that's going to be you know lagging behind and at that point in time it was in much better shape (laughs) so the funny part about it is I walked them all down everybody (laughs) I mean everybody the next morning hi how you doing you want to join our (laughs) deal you know our line and I'm like Oh, okay. Huh. <laughs> so they changed their tune in twenty-four hours. Twenty-four so. hours. Mm. 
that's all it took. You know, so when we've talked with lots of folks that are, uh, particularly women, getting involved in bird hunting in, in more recent years, they they have lamented uh, shotguns being made for men and, and clothing being art. And a lot has changed in a short period of time. But you've been bird hunting, you know, a couple decades now. Mm-hmm. How have you hacked those problems personally like you know what's your what's been your go-to clothing gear shotguns that's that well <laughs> my go-to com- comfortable with <laughs> actually the very first shotgun that i ever really learned to shoot well with is the satori uh white lightning mm. and it was the 12 gauge at that point is that our giveaway gun it is our giveaway gun. well how fortuitous <laughs> was that and we're not even bribing her to say no. it. No, <laughs> that was, that was just, my first one. Really? <laughs> and then, you can't win, by the way. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. And I have a I have a 20 gauge that I love now. Yeah, that yeah, is what I shoot. Well, that's cool. Yeah, um, but here's what I would definitely recommend. I tried a lot of different shotguns when we were um, at the regional rep. Um, Oh, the, like the, the, the meeting yeah, last the year gathering where, where they yeah. brought in all of the different kinds. I think Reed Sporting Goods brought mm-hmm. in a bunch of they different awesome. manufacturers. Yeah. yeah, And I tried a bunch of them. And do you know, I went right back to my Satori. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I shoot well with it. Why change? Yeah. So Terrific. I don't change. So, but um, clothing-wise, oh my word, I still wear men's clothing <laughs> a lot. Because there isn't a lot for women. Mm-hmm. Um, there has started to be a market for women's shooting clothing. Mm-hmm. But that is a total different thing than upland bird shooting clothing. Mm. I mean, completely different. And first off, most of them aren't even orange. <laughs> mm. So, And uh, I always call orange the new black because... It is what you have to wear when you're out in the field. If you're going to be a bird, a real bird hunter, in mm-hmm. my my opinion. So, um, I don't want to get shot, and I don't want anybody else to get shot. Mm-hmm. So, I I'm pretty adamant that everybody have orange on. But um, as far as women's clothing goes, um, I am really love some of the new stuff that Browning's come out with for women. <laughs> I had it on yesterday and the day before and the day before. <laughs> <laughs> so. I do like it. Yeah, um, well, any particular piece that's grabbed you? Well, I actually like the new women's, um, that plaid one. Oh, the, the light, shirt, the, mm-hmm, the, the blue shirt. and white shirt. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, it actually fits mm-hmm. for a woman, mm-hmm. which is always wonderful. Yeah. Um, all your guys' men's shirts that have been given to me mm-hmm. as far as like PFQF clothing that we're supposed to wear. I always have to take it to the tailor, every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to take this one. Yeah. Um, I love the vest that they have out in the field. I've tried a couple of vests. That I haven't liked a lot of them. I won't wear it. I hadn't worn them. I've actually worn this one and liked it. And I like how it balances everything. I think that was the most mm. thing I noticed the most. When you're talking vest, you're talking the burden light, the strap mm-hmm. vest with mm-hmm. the three buckles. Yes. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Yes. You know, I was surprised. I, did, I thought, oh, why do we have all these straps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you cinch them all up, it's wonderfully comfortable. Yeah. I was like, this is, I like it. So it it kind of allows almost every body size to get Flexible. the right fit. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah, my little five foot seven frame and Andrew's <laughs> six foot 
for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bird and Light Strap Vest is a, a winner. No I was surprised. I actually was very surprised that I would like it as much as I do. Yeah. So I'll keep wearing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I mentioned, uh, you touched a lot of people uh, with that blog today. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for having me do it and for having me here. Yeah. What, what have it. you thought? So we, we're not even halfway done with the road trip yet. What What are your two days of impressions so far? What struck you? Well. Um, an incredible opportunity to see a lot of birds. <laughs> yeah, we, we have seen a lot of birds, yes, right? we have. Um, and actually, the comradeship that you guys have and as a team together, um, I love our organization. And I think it shows through in the things that we do product-wise and what we, you know, what we put out there, that we love what we do. And we work well together. Yeah. So I, it, it struck me that this is your this is actually your second rooster road trip. Now you you didn't travel the entire length of the last time, Correct. but um, uh, boy, it was probably 2014 ish. Something like that. We were down in Oklahoma with mm-hmm. Josh Dahlstrom and Jared Wickland. Right. And we got to hunt the Beaver Wildlife Area mm-hmm. with you and mm-hmm. with James and mm-hmm. with uh, Dwayne Elmore from. Oklahoma State. Yes. And that was a entirely a quail trip. Although we did see some pheasants there. That's but it was true. It, and uh, that was a wonderful experience, eye-opening. Um, and it, frankly, was similar in many ways, the habitat, mm-hmm. to the Cimarron, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Um, although beaver has more ups and down, up and down hills. Yep. Um, a little bit more sage. A little bit more sage. But... All in all, it, it's probably more similar than any of the other uh, WMAs, I would say. Yeah. For sure. Do, do you feel more at home when we were walking the Cimarron um, or more at home in the grasslands that we were today? Mm-mm. Definitely the, the Cimarron. <laughs> which is interesting, right? Because Andrew, we made the comment in the last podcast. Andrew's... Well, what, oh, what it's just say? a completely alien landscape to me. <laughs> Like our, 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 like I know we're gonna get to a recap at our last mm-hmm. hunt today. That mm-hmm. was me feeling comfortable. <laughs> like, oh, that's hilarious! Because see, I'm walking along and I'm like, I know this plant, I know that plant, I know where I should find birds, I know where they should be going. Mm-hmm. That's why and you that's need to make I new friends all over the country because <laughs> yeah, then you can get true. the entire country dialed in. It, it really is because mm-hmm. you walk in, mm-hmm. you know, being from the North Woods where they have 20 inches of snow since we've been gone right no thank you and you walk the cimarron and i think about the beaver wildlife area in oklahoma and the sage and everything the cactus and the uh, choya um and uh uh what's uh, the yucca Mm -hmm. you know yucca is an important plant oh no (laughs) beautiful i love them but it is completely different there's a intimidation factor with walking through some of that and having your dog run through some of that compared to what you're used to Mm -hmm. right and i I thought about that when we're walking through the grass today he's like i bet you laura was way more comfortable oh i loved it in the (laughs) cimarron's well you saw me i was trucking right along and um the the little blue stem and just the different grasses. Yeah, you love the experience yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. But I you were more comfortable cool. in the Cimarron, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. 
Um, we're going to have you weigh in on, on the recap, but I'm going to turn the attention to uh, the guy that's gotten the Instagram question already. Well, before we do that, um, oh, yeah. if, if people haven't read her blog yet, uh, head over to roosterroadtrip.org. Uh, that's where you can find Reflections of a Quail Hunter. It's also posted to our, our Facebook page. Um, so it's a great read. Um, Laura does a fantastic job of just kind of laying out her uh, uh, how she got into bird hunting and some of the struggles she had and, and also some of the, the changes she's seen over the past few decades because, um, you know, she's been bird hunting way longer than me. So it, <laughs> I, no, it feels great to be able to share a field with her. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's on Twitter, too. It's on your Twitter account. Yes, it is. What, and your Twitter account is? Because you're super active on Twitter. Laura Mick Outdoors. Laura Mick Outdoors. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to read the specific question from Instagram that Logan got? Yeah, I mean, you almost read it verbatim. Really? Um, I, I, I have not looked at Instagram today. And I will well, you, add Lib. Yeah. He is awesome and creative. Logan? He's oh, yeah. incredibly talented. Thank you, Logan. The yes. photo gallery we just posted the, uh, 15 minutes ago on Facebook, Pheasants Forever's Facebook page. I think there's... Did we put 14 up? Yeah, 14, 15, Fourteen, fifteen, uh, something like that. And same thing yesterday. You can see Logan's pup, Aspen, is uh, right before he made a spectacular retrieve today. <laughs> and a whole bunch of terrific landscape shots as well. Um, go ahead, Andrew. So the exact question is, how do you hunt and shoot pictures at the same time so well? And I think those last two words are, are important mm-hmm. here. Yeah, it's not just snapping photos, but... How are you doing both things at a high level? I, and I want to know how he doesn't lose the camera cap lens <laughs> when he's doing both of them. That'd be the truth. Truth is, I lose a ton. <laughs> <of those. laughs> did, did you did, did you tell him Bob where I found obvi- the cap lens today? Bob obviously doesn't look at my expense report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I actually broke one today. I tore it right off the tether, and Andrew's like, "Someone losing a lens cap?" And it was yeah, hanging was, was in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> like I just saw this black circle in the yeah. grass. I'm like. Someone missing that? We, we have lost a lens cap. Well, not lost because we've recovered everything so far. <laughs> lens cap, two tran- Garmin transmitters, right? Yep. And Chad's lost his keys 13 times. Oh, my word. Don't even. <laughs> oh, my word. Yes. And you're, you're riding shotgun and with Chad. It's driving am. you crazy. <laughs> Chad, where are your keys? <laughs> <laughs> we All went, right. We, Spent more than an hour yesterday looking for those keys. <laughs> we found them. <laughs> yeah, we we actually weren't going to tell that that story. Yet. Oh, <laughs> oh well. Chad will get over. Yeah, it. He'll, yeah. <laughs> he'll never know. He won't listen back. That's probably true. <laughs> All right, Logan. How do you do both so well? Yeah, I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, you know, honestly, I I think a lot of it's just is passion. Um, super passionate about photography and um, I'm not a professional by any means kind of self-taught and um, yeah I just I just have it's something I enjoy it's it's become a a hobby of mine and something I'm doing more and more of Um, and clearly I've always loved the uplands bird hunting super passionate about that and so it's kind of collided for me and um, yeah so I think it starts there and Mm -hmm. um, you know trying to balance that is is certainly a challenge Um, you know this trip specifically I've had you know, this is six years of practice now, mm-hmm. so um, I've certainly evolved over time and um, found things that help me do both. Um, you know, as simple as like the Black Rapids sling that I'm wearing 
Um, so that helps black heart. rapid sling. Yeah, is I that believe that's your, the the brand for your shotgun. No, no that's for, for the, the camera. camera. Yep. Okay. So the camera tethers to that. It's it's a sling, and it it goes around your shoulder, um, under your armpit, on my off shooting shoulder. So it it keeps my shooting shoulder free mm-hmm. of more clutter. Yeah. Um, and then the camera kind of sits. I've I've just found a way to kind of tuck it in my bird light vest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not bouncing. Right. And and you guys talked about the strap system on that. And mm-hmm. that all kind of helps keep everything balanced for me. And um, it works, you know. And as I'm going through the field, I'm I'm hunting. Um, and I think that kind of breathes some life into my photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of the hunt. I'm part of the experience. And, and that's what I'm trying to portray in my photography. Um, you know, I'll see things as I'm going. And sometimes I make the decision to break my shotgun open and grab the camera and shoot sometimes I miss a bird, you know, because of that, you know, but typically you can read the dogs and, um, you know, we've got some great dog works that, that always helps, um, knowing when the dogs are birdie, mm. you know, I, I kind of leave the camera in the, the game bag and leave the shotgun in my hand. So. That does bring to mind the fact that you, in many cases, you're doing three things because you're also handling a dog right. in addition to photography and hunting and, that's a complicator in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, I enjoy it though, um, it, and you know that's that's kind of the way I I relive the the memories mm-hmm. of the field, you know, and and all the experiences. It's fun to look back on those photos, and um, I try keeping kind of a photo journal, if you yeah. will, you know, versus the writing. It's more of a photo journal. And I think about you know, so as we were driving down the road coming into. To Nebraska, we talked about okay, what are we going to be on, have to talk about on the podcast tonight? And we talked about this idea of uh, explaining how to become a better photographer. And part of it is people w- just clearly want to take better photos, but there's also a bigger reason, right? In terms of portraying the uplands, the excitement that Andrew's talked about on many podcasts, you can do that through photography, mm-hmm. and then also the tastefulness of it right right? you don't want to just show Mm -hmm. dead things Mm -mm. and you want to capture the beauty of the scenery and the landscape the camaraderie the love of a bird dog the connection between bird dogs and and people and that's where yeah we all want a terrifically beautiful picture of the you know a limit of roosters Mm -hmm. or your love beloved bird dog but there's it's so much bigger than just that one photo isn't it right yeah i mean it simply put a photo is worth a thousand words you know and i in my day-to-day job as a graphic designer for the organization um, i use a lot of photo assets to try telling our story and um you know what what we're about and our mission um so so imagery is is crucial in that and um we were lacking as an organization and in a lot of aspects in certain subject matters um you know so i've taken it upon myself to to kind of go out in the field and and try collecting some of those assets to help myself you know when it Mm -hmm. comes to monday to friday eight to five job Mm -hmm. um as a graphic designer Um, it just helps helps in that marketing aspect of it and um you know i think i think it makes a big deal when it comes to um recruiting you know new hunters you know new people to the uplands um like you said it, it has a big impact so, all right, maybe the number one most 
tasteless shot is the easiest <laughs> and the one that we've been doing for decades. It's the tailgate shot. Or choking the chicken, as choking I call the it. Ch- yeah, right? You're holding the rooster by the, by the neck. neck. And drives just, me crazy. You know, and everybody's got the great big grin, but it's, you know, that's not the lasting photo that they really want to mem- commemorate something that means something to them. Right. So give a couple tips on uh, how you would approach you know, that, that trophy rooster or limiter roosters. Yeah. I, I would start out by just saying, you know, take, take an extra minute or two and, and set up a nice shot. You know, most people are just, just in a hurry and, um, you get done with your hunt and it's, you know, getting to be sunset and, you know, got dogs to take care of and feed and water and, and a drive home typically, hopefully birds to clean. Um, everybody's just in a hurry and, um, forgets to just take that extra minute or two and just start there. Um, I think that'll make a big, big difference for a lot of people. Um, you know, beyond that, just, you know, try thinking about ways to, to be creative and, and shoot something maybe that you haven't seen before. Um, you know, just be different. Um, I think that keeps innovating, uh, keeps the innovation going. Um, you know, try cleaning the birds up so they're not bloody. Um, that helps, you know, just the way that they're presented. Um, so you talked about choking the chicken, yeah. right? And then the way birds are presented. Do you yeah. have a preferred way for somebody to hold a bird uh, to take that that trophy shot? Um, not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, we've I've I've seen where the you know you kind of put the focus on the the tail fan, if you will, mm-hmm. um, versus the bird. And um, I guess personally, I like picking out a a focal point of the bird versus the whole bird, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you still know it's a, it's a rooster and it's, it's a trophy, but you don't see the full dead bird. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there's obviously a time and place for that, but I think, you know, it's easier to accept as maybe a non hunter. If you were looking at that versus seeing a, a fully dead bird hanging there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about bird dogs? What uh, advice for capturing better bird dog photos uh lighting uh, and that's that's key in all photos um but lighting's big especially with bird dogs um the eyes you know i think if you can get the light hitting the eyes um that always helps bird dog photos pop and Mm. that's that's kind of always what i'm looking for is just lighting hitting the eyes Mm. we had uh lee chose on kfan a couple of years ago and he talked about getting down to the dog's level. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you do that number of times out in the field on the rooster road trip, you know, not taking the photo of the dog from the human vantage point, but getting down. And that's really to capture the eyes, isn't it? Yeah. And it, perspectives too, different perspectives, you get different kind of angles. Um, it, it just sets your photos apart. You know, everybody likes to just stand straight on and and take their picture well all those pictures always look the same so if Mm -hmm. you can change your angles you know whether you're down low shooting up you know up high shooting down Mm. all of a sudden you have photos that look quite a bit different than the norm and because of that they stand out a little bit you're a talented guy oh thanks they they are terrific i have fun with it um so far I, i think you've probably shot in two days upwards of 500 photos and I think you've saved roughly 70 photos per day. Yeah. Um, anything on the gallery or of the two galleries that you want to point people to? And like, that one I got. 
Um, I, I haven't, like, so the one that I, I keep chasing and I, I struggle with, and I don't know why that is for sure. I, I tried today as Aspen was retrieving that rooster, but a good um, bird dog retrieving shot. I have not hammered mm. that yet. Mm. So I'm uh, I'm going to keep trying for that. Um, and then, you know, flushing birds is, is always a challenge too. I mean, I did get a, a nice shot of Laura with a hand flushing. Um, did you see it yet? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check but, it out. But that's always a challenge, mm-hmm. and, the, and just because the bird's moving so fast, and um, you got to have a, a pretty fast shutter speed to catch that. Yeah. Yeah, a quail covey flushing is another one. Yes. We're all chasing, right? <laughs> exactly. Trying to capture yep. that photo. Yep. Man, I can't wait for him just to roast me when we get off this thing. We goes to our Instagram story photos, and he's just like, "Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just running out, running around out there with my iPhone, just trying to make little updates." Oh, believe, <laughs> believe me, we've talked about that in the truck already, Andrew. It's, well, <laughs> it's real time. I'm capturing the moment. It's I could I could slow down a bit, but life's too fast. No, David. No, that, so there's a good distinction. The Instagram stories are Andrews. But the photos, the photo gallery are, are Logan's, right? Yep, yep. They're, they're generally all, all Logan. Uh, Jake Schiller throws in a, a couple here and there. If there's a little element of smartass to it, it's probably Andrew. <laughs> yep. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can have some toot. I like to have some fun out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So day two, Rooster Road Trip recap. All right, Andrew, what did we do to start the day? Uh, well, we started bright and early. Um, we did at, start pretty early. Yep. Um, for the, for the second time this trip, which is actually, it takes you a little while to get used to it, but I actually really like that coming from Minnesota where you have to wait until nine o'clock mm-hmm. and then, you know, even South Dakota having to wait until 10, which I still don't understand. <laughs> um, or noon opening week, which, which was a nightmare for last year's yeah. Rooster Road trip. That was a slight over, we kind of overlooked that one, but, uh, in the curveball for us today, was that there happens to be three counties in Kansas that are in the mountain time zone. <laughs> yep. So so us all trying to agree on what time it actually was and what time we were going to use. That that was a, a fun conversation. Um, but, but either way, we were, we were up with the sun, and uh, we started out at the uh, Veterans Memorial Wildlife Area, um, which is part of the, the Sherman Complex just uh, southwest of Goodland, Kansas. And uh, I'm okay with hot spotting it. Uh, because it's pheasants forever that put it on the map um, with the Kansas Department with, of Wildlife. Yep, Parks yep, a, a, absolutely. But uh, you know, we were able to to help uh, you know acquire that piece and then turn it over to the public, so people like us and people listening can go hunt it for themselves. And it's a it's a massive complex. You know, it's a thousand plus acres, and then all the uh, additional add-ons that are surrounding it. Um, you know, good luck out like over hunting that as as, as we kind of discovered as, as the hunt went on um you know when we first pulled pulled in it has several different vistas if you will mm-hmm. and that's where you can kind of look all around and realize holy cow we, we couldn't even scratch this in a day if we wanted so then that's where uh, you kind of rallied the troops and started to talk strategy because you've hunted that place before and i'd never set eyes on it uh yeah i i came across it really um by happenstance um driving from minnesota to santa fe new mexico last christmas uh a snowstorm chased us to that piece of property on my birthday and um i got a terrific birthday present because it was 
nobody else was there and Meredith and me and my two dogs got to explore that piece of property and it was uh, as you as you mentioned you when you think about Kansas you know the the non-Kansas person's view of Kansas is pool table flat right and there are some some places like that sure. for sure <laughs> <laughs> but when you walk um, on that particular property it's you know you could be in any state and it just it's just remarkable it's a beautiful piece of country and we saw a fair number of birds today saw a fair number of birds there last year that's it's glorious habitat it's a mix of beautiful blue stem grass some food plots Mm -hmm. that we didn't even get to kind of the the woody woody cover where there may or may not be some quail um i I heard him calling uh, did you and i I saw a prairie chicken today i think i was the only one that saw um on the corner of the property when we came to the uh, edge of the cornfield i saw a prairie chicken fly out um so it was yeah it was a terrific morning going to a place that uh you know even though this was my third time ever visiting it it's uh, one of my favorite places well it also was a pretty cool transition if you will from the cimarron in that region to you know where mm-hmm. we're going to be hunting tomorrow in southwestern nebraska because it's like a hybrid uh, of habitat mm-hmm. you know it still had the yucca i i spotted a, a prickly pear cactus mm-hmm. but there's also blue stem and mm-hmm. there's there's manicured food plots that are specific for wildlife you know some of the things that me as a, a northerner like recognize intermix with all these things that i'm trying to get away from mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it was so it's it's a place where both laura and i could be comfortable <laughs> <laughs> and i was and it did feel um you know partly it's it's a challenge hunting with seven people and it it felt like um the combination of those birds being pressured probably coming off of thanksgiving weekend mm-hmm. um having seven people although we did a pretty good job of being quiet um nevertheless well we did it better than like a pretty good job we got ready in the hotel parking lot yeah. folks like we we <laughs> staged in the hotel parking lot so with the moment we rolled up we could simply let out our dogs and go. Yeah, and we probably walked somewhere in the range of four miles, mm-hmm. primarily through hand signals. We we weren't really talking about which direction we we're going. You kind of because um, I'd been there before. We basically just followed. Okay, <laughs> as long as you could see me through the grass, it's <laughs> uh, Bob's finger. He's saying to go north. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, we did a we did a really pretty good job of being quiet. But those birds were pretty jumpy. Uh, thankfully, uh, we did we did have a couple cooperators. Um, uh, Esky went on point uh, next to some sunflowers, and Mr. Quail. Chad Love got another rooster. <laughs> he loves him. He just, won't, he just won't admit it publicly. Which uh, you can see his reaction on, on the Instagram story, which is priceless. He's quickly becoming a legend. Yeah. <laughs> well, in his own mind. Yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see, then after I was on the complete other side, uh, you had some action, Logan. Yeah. yeah. It was right at the end, actually. We're on our way back to the trucks and um, another member of our party was up in the corner and um all the all the dogs kind of congregated that way so i had a pretty good idea that there had to be something kind of hanging up there and wasn't much long after that i think three birds got up mm. um unfortunately none ended up in the game bag out of that ordeal but um 
we proceeded on and we were probably within I don't know two three hundred yards mm -hmm. of the pickup and uh yeah my, my pup um Aspen got birdie and um was able to make a shot on my first Kansas rooster of the trip so that was that was fun great way to end end Kansas before we moved into Nebraska so and in we ran to to town to get a wireless connection and get some content flowing this afternoon post reflections of a quail hunter mm -hmm. for folks to read amongst a bunch of other things yeah i think that the four mile walk kind of caught us off guard a little bit because again none of us <laughs> had been there before and I, we we're kind of anticipating getting to more of the postage postage stamp style mm -hmm. properties where we could cover pretty well in an hour or two and then strategize how we wanted to go back and forth oh no when i saw where we pulled into i knew we were in for the whole entire morning <laughs> i knew we were going to be out there for a while so, so after that four mile walk andrew was like hey we have we have stuff to do we have blogs to write we have content to post we we have videos to upload we we need to do this because it's kind of part of the part of the trip yep um so yeah then we we ran into town to take care of business uh and that led us to our, our second hunt of the day um it was probably early afternoon by then maybe two-ish mm -hmm. or so yep uh we found another uh piece of public ground not terribly far away from that i'm not even sure what program that was enrolled in i didn't recognize the yellow sign do you know what that is? Uh, I don't. It, it, the yellow sign said um, Kansas Department of Wildlife opened a public hunting in it on um, on the um, uh, cell phone maps. Uh, it, it was listing Pheasants Forever as the owner. So, you know, double mm -hmm. score for us there. Mm -hmm. So it, um, we, we just put up, I think, five hens in that field. I couldn't tell you because oh, I right. wasn't with you. That that was the that was the first field where any of our dogs had encountered sand bears, like mm. in, in, a, in a very in a big way. In a big way. Uh, I don't know how only Baxter got hit with them, but he uh, he wasn't moving and he wasn't moving anywhere soon. And then I got them all clean cleaned up, carried him to a different spot, thinking, okay, maybe that might have been an isolated incident. Same thing. I'm like. Okay, this you guys go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll catch up. And uh, luckily, I I had heard rumors that the sand bears might be bad in, in northern Kansas this year. So I actually had booties in my my game bag. Um, so I just booted them up and then caught up with you guys later. But I didn't realize right. you you had action on that. Uh, field. we I, it was four mm -hmm. or five hens at least. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> pretty small piece overall. I'd estimate that was you know maybe a fifteen acre walk something like that it, it wasn't yeah, very maybe. big yeah. yeah maybe 10 that's pushing it yeah um but it was a pretty short walk we um yeah. turned around and and um then we moved a little bit further south from there which was the opposite of a little walk mm -hmm. uh we t we picked out a really um basically a section uh the weha piece of property and from a northern pheasant hunter's perspective and you alluded to this earlier it felt the, f from my perspective, it felt like the best habitat that we've walked. In I felt confident. Two days. <laughs> yeah. It was and tall yet. grass. <laughs> nothing. Well, it wasn't nothing, but it, I think we put up a total of three hens in there. Uh, I saw a couple birds. I'm not sure how many, though. Well, we for sure had three hens mm -hmm. on my side. I thought there was one on your side, too. But um, there were a couple hens. 
Okay. But it was it, it was a long walk for not a lot of action. Yeah, you missed Liberty's point in the morning at at the um, veterans. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, she pointed right in front of Marissa. Jake Jake caught it actually, and um, it was hens. Yeah. But um, and then they relocated and she relocated and then they finally flushed. Nice. And Liberty so. is your Brittany. Yes. Yeah. She Just is. For- and then she pointed somewhere else this afternoon i think it was at the second piece this is where she pointed well even in the third piece she was doing a great job of going up that that line between the the cut corn and the grass Mm -hmm. and i haven't yelled at you it's like looks like we have a runner because she kept on relocating 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 Mm -hmm. there has to be something here and there probably was oh yeah yeah yeah. Does, does liberty hunt a lot of pheasants compared to i know you hunt a lot of quail Actually, she doesn't get as much, nearly as much experience with pheasant. But she, you have to remember, bobwhite quail and blues relocate a sure. lot now. They don't flush like they used to. Mm-hmm. They actually run first until you kind of trap them. Mm. So um, she relocates with quail all the time. So you have three Britneys at home. Mm-hmm. Why? Why was Liberty the choice? Liberty is the oldest of the three, mm-hmm. first off, and one is too, in, too inexperienced. She would have been like a Yeti, um, mm. Marissa's pup. Short hair uh, yeah. adopted pup. Yep. Exactly. A little skittish around other people and all of the hullabaloo and the, mm. you know, the other dogs and stuff. Um, and then Annie is a fabulous pheasant dog, but she gets a little skittish around other people she didn't know okay so i brought libby because she's easy going she loves everybody and libby yeah is that your pet name nickname, nickname? <laughs> liberty and libby all right she's called liberty annie oakley because she was such a pistol <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> she's a hard-headed dog <laughs> but she's a good one all right i think it's time we move to uh did i miss anything in a recap we had a gorgeous gold now. We're just not a lot of birds. Well, we're walking around, and it's it's 50 degrees. Um, there is that. Beautiful, beautiful sunset. <laughs> um, you know, us who are coming from the north have family members who are dealing with the elements right now, mm-hmm. so let's let's keep everything in perspective, right? Oh, you got um, the, I have to shovel the driveway again phone call? I got the, where did you put the shovel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So 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 there's that, but you know we we close the day off with with two more birds, um, uh, well two birds total for today. And as I was walking back with Laura, we're we're kind of chatting, and I, I mentioned to her, you know, if, if somebody were to tell me before the trip that every day of the trip you'll get just two birds, I'd be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Like that would be that would be great, um, because the truth of the matter is we're not hunting all day. We're hunting as far and as hard as we can when we're in the field but we have a lot of other stuff to take care of as well as traveling. Um, and yeah, we've had a lot of down days where we, slim pickings. We've had a couple fantastic days where we're, we can't like right, shoot stars enough. align. Yeah, exactly. If folks are watching the rooster road trip, listening to the rooster road trip for limits and body counts, you're at the right Yeah, you're not, you're not going to get it because that's not even what we want. You know, truth, truthfully, if we would have gotten like maybe three more birds on that f- mm-hmm. second hunt today, I probably would have yanked everybody into the truck and said we're going north because mm-hmm. then it would have given us a head a heads a, a head start on getting our content ready. We could actually get to bed before midnight or one a.m. 
because um, that's the reality of this trip. Mm-hmm. Jake's going to be up in our room editing until 1 a.m. Yeah. And then you'll see this podcast you're listening to now probably will pop up at 1 to 2 a.m. Um, right. like we're, we're, well, we're, we're up. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the clock right now. It's 10:56, and we still have a little bit left to talk about. Yep. And we'll have to write uh, preview text, upload it to SoundCloud. I mean, this is, it's not an all nighter, but you know, you, we're burning the candles at both ends. And I'm not asking people to feel sorry no, for no, us. No, I'm just no, trying no. to, I'm just trying to explain like me going for limits. That's not even what right, I want. Exactly. But exactly. I want to put something into perspective because Oklahoma doesn't have as nearly the pheasant that everybody North of us has. Yeah. And I saw more pheasant today than I've seen in the last five years combined. Is that right? Yes. So, that's Don't pretty exciting. Whine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I would, that's that's terrific. It's, it so was it's pretty exciting, cool. right? It was very exciting for me. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Instagram questions. All right. This one's for you. For me? Um, yep. Because I believe you've hunted the most states out of anyone here for Upland Bird. Okay. Uh, rooster specifically. Best public land state for roosters. You can only choose one, and it's public land state. Um, okay. I would ask a follow-up question if this there, person no, is here. No, no, Well, just so I can, um, is the person asking best for overall experience of the hunt, which would be a different answer than best overall, like, uh, public lands, opportunities, number of birds? Because best overall experience, I'm going to tell you, is Montana. I, I just personally – um, the, the aesthetic beauty of a public land hunt in Montana is just so hard to beat. If I'm looking for uh, kind of best holistic birds, habitat, um, mixed bag, like just, and I'm going to probably come to where we're going to hunt tomorrow, and that's Nebraska. Uh, public land pheasants, quail, um, they have the uh, open fields and waters program, which for my money is the single best um, walk-in program in the country, which takes uh, private lands, pays a landowner to open it up to public access, and builds in habitat on top of it. So um, hopefully Nebraska produces for us tomorrow, but uh, if I'm spending my money for public lands roosters, I'm coming to Nebraska. Okay. Um, Laura, this one's for you. Hmm. How would you describe habitat that holds both pheasants and quail? Is it rare? It's rare, (laughs) (laughs) but, and it kind of depends on what kind of quail you're looking for, but generally, like some of the areas that I hunt in Oklahoma, the the more um, forbs and that type of stuff that where the tree lines and the creek sides and the, um, the, um, the thickets and that type of thing, sand plump thickets you're going to find your quail but then that grassy boony crap that we like we walk through today <laughs> is where you're going to find your pheasant and believe it or not there are definitely wmas um not just in kansas but in oklahoma as well that has both so that would be my answer okay one more for you do you have trouble with dogs coming in contact with uh, all the cactus in the grassland you know, and that's an interesting question um, because we were talking about that earlier today. And my dogs, I guess because they started bird hunting in cactus and um, 
things that with stickers and all that kind of stuff it they just develop those tough paws and we just check them really super carefully at the end of the day pull out anything that we see obviously um, but if they're not used to it I think it's harder for a bird hunter that comes from out of state that's not used to sandburrs or um, the cactus or prickly pear I mean Liberty we landed in a field yesterday Chad and I did when we busted that cubby there was so much prickly pear everywhere it was unreal mm. I've never seen a field like that and she just tiptoed all the way through <laughs> the parts that were just horrendous and I'm <laughs> like oh my word how's she doing this she just went right on through so I think it depends on how the dog is actually um, what he gets experienced when he's young as a pup and gets exposed to and I'd rather boot them if you know they need to be booted though yeah so. so so if your dog's not familiar or did not grow up in that in that country probably invest in a pair of Lewis boots mm. absolutely who is a great guy by the way he's donated a lot to our chapters in Oklahoma that's Ooh. fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. He's a good guy. Okay, so I'm going to kind of combine a couple of questions here. How far ahead were the birds flushing, and are you hunting with flushers and, or pointers? Uh, the last part is yes, all all the above in terms of flushers or pointers. And then let's see here. Oh, so the other question had to do with late season birds get up early mm-hmm. in Kansas. Apparently, this person's either from Kansas or knows the birds that we were specifically hunting because we ran into that problem. Yeah. So, how do you fix that problem? <laughs> Fly solo. I mean, you know, honestly, you guys know me well enough to, given the choice, I one one guy, one or one one hunter, and uh, one dog, real quiet, really quiet. Try to come in from a different area, like different parking area than the majority of people, but. Um, the you know be a ninja you know if you can if you can focus on the good cover and do it quietly i think you'll have a better chance to march in as an army yep for sure um and go deep in other words go where everybody else is not gonna go yep and that's where that's where bob wanted to go today but again time Time was of the essence <laughs> I, so I, I had to reel him in a bit i did get up on on the vista and i said See, way over in that back corner, I don't think most people get there. And Andrew's like, that's going to take another hour. (laughs) (laughs) And we have content to do. It's like, Andrew, what kind of content do you want? (laughs) (laughs) There's a good point there. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, yeah, today the birds are probably getting up 50-ish plus yards in front of us. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. In one section, I basically ran ahead with, with my dog trying to, to cut them off a little bit. And I did get two shots right. off at a, at a rooster that came zipping by. It was a, it was a tough shot. I'll, I'll give my, myself that. And then we actually deployed blockers in mm-hmm. certain fields, uh, which we don't normally do at well, all. Actually, and if you think Laura blocked um, mm-hmm. yesterday afternoon too, mm-hmm. and, and that was that was effective. It was yep. very helpful. But for, for us to deploy that tactic, right. that, that means these birds are, are very spooky, very educated. So if you're, if you're coming down to, to this area, just don't slam any car doors. Get ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'm not a fan of hunting. Like, the group of people that mm, I run with, right? The they're like, boy, you know, who wants to block? Nobody raises their hand. Everybody <laughs> everybody has their own dog, mm-hmm. right? And, and everybody mm-hmm. is 
bird hunt, upland bird hunting for the exercise, for the, for the walk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, blocking is extremely effective. It's very helpful. I wanted to see people but, get birds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not necessarily um, anything that I enjoy. But mm -hmm. we did rotate. I blocked. You know, you blocked. Mm -hmm. Chad blocked. You know, we all kind of took our turns because it's helpful. Can be. All right. And that wraps up uh, our Instagram questions. But we do have three more days uh, coming up. Absolutely. Keep, keep them coming, folks. I'll, uh, I'll do another uh, post tomorrow or as you're listening to this, I guess currently you can go to our, our Instagram page and uh, follow our stories and you'll, you'll see an opportunity to, to post any questions you might have and uh, we'll keep choosing from them and, and hopefully answer most of them by the time we're done here. And uh, we'll remind folks to go to roosterroadtrip.org where we have a special membership offer because you know, not only do we uh, generate revenue for our habitat mission through our sponsors, which we talked about the last couple of episodes, but we do uh, invite everybody to join Pheasants Forever. And if you join at roosterroadtrip.org, you get... You'll get uh, a free Browning Featherweight Classic Knife. It's a, it's a fixed blade, full tang, nice sheath. Uh, uh, we're throwing in a bonus uh, cap light. And then you have a chance to win uh, Laura's favorite gun, which mm -hmm. is a Browning Satori White Lightning. <laughs> I like it. How can you lose? The shotgun I actually put a bird down with today, so it shoots straight. <laughs> can confirm it does shoot straight. <laughs> All right. And, and uh, one more shout out to, again to our uh, Rooster Road Trip sponsors, Browning, Apple Autos, Orca, Garmin, Sound Gear. Rufflin Kennels, Federal Premium Ammunition, Camp Chef, Irish Setter, and starting tomorrow, we'll be in Nebraska. Brought to you by the Nebraska Game of Parks Commission. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Please check us out at roosterroadtrip.org, uh, Pheasants Forever's Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, remember, always follow the dog. Right, Laura? Correct. Absolutely. Always follow the dog. All right, folks, we're going to follow the dog tomorrow on some open fields and waters lands in southwest Nebraska. And you can tune back in here on the wing for day three recap. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>